MACP podcast and my name is Dan Nichols. Today we're going to be discussing osteosarcomas. The reason for discussing this uh, today on the podcast is because this, in fact, all primary bone cancers can be very general in their, in their symptom presentation and are often mistaken for MSK-related problems. But bone primary bone tumours are rare and it's possible a clinician may never um, have a patient in front of them with with, uh, with that diagnosis and it's estimated that an instance around 600 um, per year in uh, cancer research stated that data back in 2012 and it's estimated that on average 175 of those will be diagnosed with osteosarcoma. What we know about osteosarcomas is they're more prevalent in males than females and around 60% of osteosarcoma cases are diagnosed in people under the age of 29. So delays in diagnosis are common, so we wanted to bring it onto the mics today and often contributing to lesions increasing in size and poorer outcomes and unfortunately psychological distress is uh, understandably part of that and in some cases poor survival rates as well due to a, a delay in diagnosis. And this delay in diagnosis is a key contributing factor due to a low level of clinical suspicion combined with a lack of awareness of symptom presentation. In later stages, pathological fractures normally lead to a diagnosis, but this is very much in a later, a later feature and um, improving early signs and symptom recognition is recommended uh, as a key to reduce this diagnostic delay. So today we have consultant physiotherapist Laura Finucane behind the mic interviewing Dr. Stephen Roberts, who's a GP, but he's going to be talking about his own experiences, his own personal experience of serious pathology. It's a powerful, compelling discussion um, around his journey to being diagnosed with an osteosarcoma. So I'll pass you over to Laura to uh, introduce herself and Dr. Stephen Roberts. I'm Laura Finucane. I'm a consultant physiotherapist um, in the UK. I work for Sussex MSK Partnership as a spinal specialist um, and I'm their education training lead. Uh, but I've really um, uh, developed a, a, um, an interest in serious pathology over the years and I've been really lucky to work with a number of people in the UK such as Chris Mercer, Sue Greenhalgh and James Self and we've really had a focus, a twofold focus over the years about you know how we want to tackle that and and really the first thing is to raise awareness of serious pathology and uh, try to get clinicians to really consider it as a differential diagnosis and the secondly secondly is around early identification of serious pathology because we know that you know if you identify identify early then you get better outcomes so that's you know that's that's great that's what we want to try and do but we also recognise it's really challenging to, to pick up early because often these conditions, you know, serious pathology will masquerade as a musculoskeletal condition. Um, and it's not until those late stages where you get, uh, you know, frank systemic problems like weight loss or fever or you know, severe night pain, it becomes very obvious. But by then, it, you know, patients can have poor outcome. So we often discuss um, cases that don't go particularly well because we know that there's a rich learning in those cases. Um, and often when you reflect and you review the cases, there's, you know, sometimes you can pick out you know, where a, a further question might have helped that picture to make it a bit better. Um, or there might be a test that actually doesn't really fit the diagnosis that, you, that you con you've considered. 
so so and, and we hope that that might resonate with with patient with um, clinicians really. So on that note, I'm going to introduce Dr. Stephen Roberts, who's very <laughs> kindly joined me today, um, because he's going to talk to us about um, his his personal experience of serious pathology. Yeah. So thank you for coming to join uh, us. Thank you. Well. I really appreciate you inviting me. It's really nice to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So would you would you give us um, tell us what what's happened to you? So give us your story. Yeah. Maybe. So um, I'm Stephen Roberts. Um, uh, I um, yeah was diagnosed with um, an osteosarcoma in um, primary bone tumour uh, end of October 2018. Um, prior to that, I'd been suffering from uh, chronic knee pain for probably over nine months prior to that. Um, I um, was a very fit guy um, really took health seriously um, you know went to the gym every week I had a personal trainer I was doing lots of um, uh, weights cardio stuff at the gym um, uh, the pain got progressively worse I would say um, and uh, I think it was probably in the summer of 2018 where I thought okay I need to see a physiotherapist mm, yeah. to, 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 to check I'm not yeah I had to at first I thought it was a patellofemoral type type knee pain okay and, and just sorry to interrupt but, but you, you and you mentioned that you'd had knee symptoms before then and and was it very similar was the sort of uh, description or the feeling very similar to the first time you had knee, knee oh right so yeah I forgot to say yeah so a couple of years prior to that I um, had a knee injury um uh, on the same knee, and um, I, on and off, I got some iliotibial band kind of pain with yeah. running. But um, this was different in the mm -hmm. sense that it was on the, on the medial aspect of my knee, yeah. and, and and actually above the knee. Um, uh, so it was a different, yeah, kite type and location of pain to the right. previous knee pain I'd, I'd been having. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and and could you put it down to you know because you you said you you've been training quite a lot yeah had you when you developed this 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 yeah. incident had you increased your training or was it had it just remained the same sort um, of level yeah I think I had I mean that that's probably why I took a long time to actually see a physiotherapist okay. because I'd um I had increased my training I was doing focusing on legs a lot more yeah um and um. Yeah, so I suspected, you know, it was something I was doing at the gym potentially um, yeah. that was, was triggering it. Interestingly, I went away on holiday uh, early summer and I had two weeks away and didn't do any gym work and the pain didn't actually get any better. So that thought, I thought, okay, that maybe not, not the gym because I would have yeah, thought it would have gotten a bit better. Yeah. So I think that's probably what triggered me to see the first physiotherapist. He was a sports therapist who worked out of the gym. Yeah. And, and so, so what, the knee pain that you had was that very mechanical? Was it was it things that you said, okay, I know, you know, that if I do the squat, they would hurt or, or go up and down stairs uh, or. Were you aware of those those sort of aggravating factors? Within yeah, it was it difficult. I mean, it, it started off very vaguely, and um, mm. you know, sometimes exercising would make it better. Yeah. Um, sometimes it make it worse. Often sitting for a long period of time. Some with GP by trade, so often mm. sit um, yeah. at my desk. I'm quite tall, so I've got a habit of um, crossing my legs. So I, yeah. so I was wondering whether you know my kind of um, ergonomics was was quite right or yeah. Yeah. um 
so yeah, it was quite vague at first, and um, but then yeah, seemed to the symptoms progress slowly. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So so I mean, and and actually, you can probably understand why you know a physiotherapist or a clinician might think that that absolutely is mm. a mechanical issue because that's you know mm. we know our experiences that that's exactly right. They yeah. masquerade as musculoskeletal issues, yeah. and actually. Lucy Gosling, who is a physiotherapist who, who has a special interest within bone tumours, mm. wrote a paper a few years ago. It was a really good paper, and you know she interviewed some some individuals who had um, bone tumours and and healthcare professionals, and, and asked mm. you know the questions around well, how did that present, and and the things that have come out really clearly is that often mm. that it starts with this intermittent vague mm. symptoms, you know that, that's sort of dull ache potentially, mm. um, and and. You know, has this moderate to you know, kind of low intensity of symptoms, mm. but mm. very mechanical. Yeah. So you yeah. can understand how that might well, yeah. you know, be uh, correlated with a musculoskeletal problem. Yeah. Today. Yeah. But yeah. You know, what she says is that you know, essentially, it gets worse as time goes on. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty much what you experienced, wasn't it? Really. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So the first physiotherapist I saw, I, I saw on three occasions, yeah. and the diagnosis was a um, more working diagnosis with patellofemoral you know, some plantarian knee pain. Yeah. Um, you know, he gave me some exercises to do, which didn't really help. He suggested taping the knee, so we taped it immediately first. Yeah. It yeah. made it worse. Yeah. He said, okay, we'll tape it laterally. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. that also didn't help, so I thought, yeah. okay, that doesn't sound quite right. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the tests, um, so um, he did, I think, Clark's test, isn't it, for mm. patellofemoral, and that was negative, and I thought, that's not quite right. Um, and there's just a couple of other things during the consultations. He palpated my distal femur and I kind of jumped off the bed and... You mean your condyle? Like, so oh, condyle, yeah, 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 that's hip. what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. And that, that was, um, yeah, really painful. And he, he said, oh, maybe you've got some irritation over your uh, femoral condyle. And I thought, OK, it just uh, I just thought it didn't seem quite right, but I, I just kind of let it mm. go. Um, but at the end of the three sessions, I thought, I, I, then I started to have an intermittent limp. Um, and I brought that to the consultation. And you kind of ummed and ahed about it. And he said, you've got, you know, weak hip abductors. And, um, yeah, but it was very confident that actually he knew what the problem was. He'd mm. be able to fix it. Mm. And at that point, I thought, okay, this doesn't all, it didn't all kind of fit. I'm not obviously a musculoskeletal expert by any means but but it didn't fit together for me personally I didn't think it, all, all the symptoms yeah you know and, and so, fit yeah so, so for you so there's something around you know the fact that it was really tender when you palpated around that area so you, yeah it was really uncomfortable yeah and you know it, it sort of looking you know and you know we know hindsight's a wonderful thing you know yeah you, you know if you look at the notes and you look at um some of that some of that um consultation in terms of you know where your symptoms were mm. may not quite fit uh, mm. you know patellofemoral pain and that, mm. that you know so that's one one aspect you yeah you know. mm. so was there anything else so that you felt that at, at that time because you said you you just felt it was all it wasn't quite right and and yeah it didn't fit yeah it didn't it yeah it just didn't seem um a barn door patellofemoral yeah. knee pain to okay. me and it, um yeah and i was surprised it was getting 
worse rather than better yeah. given that I'd already done some I'd, I'd, I'd actually sat in on an ESP knee clinic for yeah. my own personal okay. development yeah. a few months before so I kind of he went over for telephone knee pain yeah. suggested exercises you know as GPs we can mm-hmm. suggest to patients so yeah. I tried all that stuff before yeah, so yeah. so none of that really had made much of a difference um because yeah, it, it's quite interesting because in um, the physio's notes, you know, he has noted that he wasn't quite sure about some of, some mm. of the, your presentation. Mm. Um, you know, he, he queried this this lateral pain, the pain on the outside that you were getting, mm. and actually this super patella pain. Yeah, and wasn't really convinced that it was the knee that was the problem. But he yeah. didn't he didn't talk to you about that. He didn't sort of voice his concerns around that. No, he was. Um... Yeah, I mean, he was very confident mm. in what he was uh, talking about. And I um, I don't know, it was because I was a health professional as well that he kind of liked to talk about what he was doing and he was mm. telling me that he teaches GPs yeah. and he does this and that. And, and so I thought, okay, well, he, you know, he knows what he's yeah. talking about. And um, so, yeah, because I looked at the notes afterwards and, and I thought, well, that's it was a disparity mm. looking at the notes compared to what, how he communicated with me so he's very confident thought we were on the right track um but um yeah it didn't didn't fit so no and and so i suppose um you know two things really so um if he'd raised those concerns with you he said to you well it doesn't quite fit what i would expect within this you know for this presentation Mm. would do you think you would have raised your concerns at that point because you you were clearly having some some sort of you know worries about what this could be yeah uh yeah i think i would have done um i i mean i've got i'm I'm a very anxious person so you know when i was in medical school i spent most of medical school thinking i had god knows what cancer or something so i'm a lot better now since i've you know got more experience um so uh it's interesting uh, um uh at our surgery um there was unfortunately a, a, a teenage boy who um, died from primary bone tumour several years ago. Um, and his grandmother, who's a patient at our surgery, actually gave me a leaflet because they set up a bone cancer charity called the Anthony Pilcher Bone Cancer Trust in his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd actually stuck that on my notice board. Mm-hmm. So I, as a clinician, would kind of be mindful of bone tumours. Yeah. Um, so it, it did cross my mind. Um, and actually, it's interesting, I look back at my internet search history and I remember one evening, you know, doing a search about osteosarcoma, bone tumours, um, and thinking, oh, God, that is kind of in the same place as I'm getting um, yeah. my symptoms. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, is what spurred me on to then go and get a um, kind of consultant, orthopaedic yeah. knee um, opinion. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was in two minds whether to you know, go to my GP and, um, you know, get referred on the NHS. And I thought, well, I'm in a position where I can, you know, afford to see a, a consultant and, you know, it's very quick. So I thought that would be the best yeah. best next step okay. um, to kind of... Um, I just wanted someone to, you know, take a history, do a really good thorough examination and just tell me exactly what was going yeah. on in their in their opinion and at the time you saw the consultant were your were your symptoms different did they had they changed uh, they certainly gotten worse um i think i mean the, t- the, the yeah the um 
I think I was limping more at that point yeah. and certainly colleagues at work um, noticed that I was having a limp mm-hmm. um, yeah. so um, and the pain I think had gotten worse as well and I right. was taking anti-inflammatories probably regularly every day actually yeah um, which would be quite unusual yeah, I th- yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was taking and yeah, regular anti anti inflammatories. Pain was getting worse, um, and limp wasn't all the time, but that was certainly uh, yeah. getting worse okay. as well. So you saw the consultant, yeah, and they they recommended further physio. Was that was that right? Or yeah, I mean it was. A, um, yeah, it wasn't a great consultation, I have to say. Um, he, um, I mean, it was quite quick. Um, he felt that I had a flat foot, um, which was causing a knock-on effect on my knee, um, uh, and explained the biomechanics of how mm. that that was the case. Um, and he suggested that I see a podiatrist uh, to get some kind of a gait analysis and, and yeah. get some insoles. Um, he also suggested I see a different physiotherapist. Um, he did suggest an MRI would be helpful. Um, in the long term right. but there wasn't any urgency to that and I think that was more to because he was thinking is this chondromalacia pat- patello yeah. Um, yeah. and he was thinking potentially not an injection could be helpful down mm. the line sure yeah um, okay. so that was his plan yeah um, and then um, yeah very soon after that um, I saw the podiatrist who again said exactly the same thing this is what's going on yeah. you need to have insoles for life yeah. <laughs> very expensive yeah. so, um, yeah. and then I saw a physio and I'd actually taken a few days off work because right. um, the pain was getting really bad at this point yeah. um, and I remember limping into the physiotherapist uh, a different physio and she's really really lovely and um, she um, I only saw her twice I think just, just within the same week and um uh, you know, she read his letter and she said, "I completely agree. This is, uh, you know, this is maltracking of your patella." Yeah. Um, and she said, "I can sort this out. Um, you don't need to have an MRI." Mm-hmm. Um, and I trusted her. I have to say, I did. Yeah, I did yeah. think, okay, I've got all these professionals saying the same thing. Um, you yeah. know, who am I to? And I did. I, I, I mentioned to you before. I, I jokingly said to her. Um, oh, ha ha, I hope it, you know, I was worried it was an osteosarcoma, mm-hmm. um, you know, jokingly, yeah, yeah. but actually been serious. Yeah, and, and what um, was her reaction to that? Um, just... I mean, she was very reassuring, we had yeah. a little giggle, I think, yeah. and I, yeah. I kind of felt reassured at that point, because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I've said it, she doesn't think it's that. Um, she's been a very experienced physiotherapist, and mm-hmm. she did know, I mean, you could tell the way she interacted with me, and, mm-hmm. and how she examined me, that she know, knew what she was doing, and I felt yeah. confident yeah. with that. Um, as a clinician myself, I think um, you know it's easy to pick out clinicians that are or know what they're doing and those yeah. that don't. And yeah. I got the sense that she, you know, yeah. was very calm. She knew, and I, I felt really safe. And actually, I allowed her to do some acupuncture on the knee, yeah. so that showed that you know I was yeah, happy with her. Yeah. And I think um, yeah, that weekend I went up to London, and it was my brother's birthday. And the pain got really bad at that point. And I remember I did actually start getting night pain. Um, and I remember just lying on the floor, thinking just my knee was throbbing. And I thought, okay, this is not right at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Monday I went to work and um, a colleague who's a, um, a very experienced GP, um, uh, you know, sat down with me um, and said, Stephen, you know, it's unusual to 
at your age to have time off work for for a knee problem yeah and yeah. so we sat down and she um took a bit of a history and i could tell she looked worried mm. and um and she said i think we should get an x-ray um and at that point i think the penny really dropped and i thought okay there is some yeah this isn't this is all it all came together at that point sure and yeah. i remember the next day going up to the hospital to get um an x-ray and the radiographer, the radiographer, I was, I was looking at her face as she was looking at the x-ray and I saw her kind of um, look backwards in shock. And then she asked me, you know, have you got follow-up? And, and, and so I knew something was up. Mm. Um, and um, went okay. up to orthopaedics the yeah. same day and got scans and... Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So quite, yeah, quite, quite a journey really, isn't it? So mm. it took some time to unravel and actually, you know what you described as you saw five clinicians over over that period of time yeah who were pretty much saying the same thing really yeah um, and actually if we stand back and look look at mm. your journey you can see that you know it, it started off very vaguely as mm. you know as we say it mimics these mm. knee problems and then actually as you as we look at your journey it just gets progressively mm. worse over time yeah and there's something around trying to join those up i think in a way is, yes. is you know it's very easy to be reassured by someone else that this is mm. what's going on and, and you know sometimes we need to we need to challenge that I think yeah you know I think that's really important but uh, you know what I want to pick up on is mm. you know that your your sense of you know there might be something going, you might be wrong and, and and whilst you could you can say well I'm generally an anxious person but mm. you obviously sometimes that is founded on 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 something so what we know is that sometimes patients have this sort of uh, sense of foreboding really or they have mm. this we've seen disproportionate dis distress in some patients mm. where they you know they're terrified because actually they, they there's a sense that something's not quite right yeah um yeah it's difficult because obviously I, I'm, I'm as a clinician myself i'm yeah. aware of coming across um as someone who's um very anxious and and trying to put words into clinicians mouth sure, so I kind yeah. of didn't want to probably I should have done a retrospect but I kind of wanted just to, to let them mm. do their thing ask the questions do the examination and just trust what they found yeah. rather than yeah. me say um because I've had patients coming in thinking I've got you know yeah. this and that <laughs> and and um uh, so I didn't want to be like that and maybe in retrospect I should have should have yeah, done. And that, I, I um, suppose, I suppose, you know, the response. You know, I would say that, that for us, you know, as clinicians, we need we need to challenge your thoughts, mm. really. So, so for me, you know, if if, if you have some concern, so so you mm. did what you said was, um, you know, you you said you had this conversation with the second physio, and you sort of sort of jokingly said, I think I've got, you know, could have a bone tumor, and actually, her mm. response was to reassure you and sort mm. of say, yeah, it's okay, but actually. What might be helpful is to, to is to challenge that and to say to you, well, why do you think that? What, what's what's worrying you about this? Is, mm. is there something you know something that's made you think like this? Mm. And then you know even if you know you can't necessarily tell me that, mm. you know oh, what I would do in that instance is, is to try and safety net you is to say mm. well, you know there's always that possibility that mm. there's something else going on and actually what we would do is we'd look at mm. treating that what we think it is and if that mm. isn't changing then we mm. need to look at other things and yeah. these are the things you might need to look out for mm. you know going forward so yeah so i think it's really you know that's that's what you know we we have a responsibility to do that i think yes in ways, to yeah. challenge some of that yeah 
you know, we talk about this, you know, ice, which is, you know, yeah. um, asking you about what, what, what your ideas are about what's going on. Yeah. Do you have any concerns or, yeah. and, and what's your expectation? So, so I think framing that right at the beginning of a consultation mm. is helpful mm. you, to understand where you're at with it, really, mm. and to mm. see how things might change. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so, I mean, it's always, you know, it's easy to look back at these things, isn't it, and go, well, mm. that wasn't quite right, you know. Um, but, yeah, so the first video you saw obviously identified there wasn't something quite right. Mm. And, you know, again, it's about, you know, challenging those thoughts about why do I, why do I not think it's right. Mm. Um, but interestingly, in, his, in the consultation after that one, that he mm. thought things weren't quite right, he'd come and said, I've improved, I'm, I'm a bit better. So that's always slightly reassuring for a clinician to think, oh, okay, it must yeah. be all right. Yeah. But we know with some with some of these with these pathologies, actually, what happens is that you do wax and wane. That you can yeah. improve with some some therapy. Yeah. You might be stimulating, you know, a variety of things. Yeah. You know, so that that tumor is going to have an effect on your muscles. That's you mm. know that's normal. So if you treat that, it probably will feel better. Mm. So there can be some false reassurance about you know whether treatment's making a change or not I think yeah and I think actually I stopped going to the gym I stopped doing legs at the gym at, yeah. due to his advice whether actually not having that impact through my mm. knee made a, yeah, made yeah. a difference potentially but difficult to know difficult it? to know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and the other thing that um, is very clear in all of the consultations is this significant muscle wasting yeah <clears throat> yeah I mean I've been going um yeah, I was doing uh, a lot of resistance work on my legs. So my, I'm naturally quite a thin person, but yeah. my legs at that point were getting quite yeah. big. Um, so that, um, in retrospect, I think was quite a big um, red flag for someone, mm -hmm. a young guy that's going to the gym. And I was yeah. obviously protecting the knee so much that um, yeah. you know, the muscle was, was wasting away. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So... In terms of, um, if we just think about osteosarcoma, bone tumours generally, yeah. just thinking about that as a, as a, um, a condition of a serious pathology, mm. again, you're, you don't really fit the, the, the kind of normal presentation in the sense that mm. you often talk about osteosarcomas of being mm. as, of you know, younger age, you know, sort of, you know, youngsters, mm. through to 24 years, and then mm. maybe 50 onwards, but actually you're sitting in the middle there. Yeah. You're all, how old are you? Uh, 30, well, I was 33 when I was yeah. diagnosed. Yeah. Now, so. so quite unusual but but for yeah. me what that also raises is that you know it cancers and and these kind of conditions can affect all ages mm. you know even if if the normal presentation is a you know a younger age it doesn't mm. mean it won't be affected you know, people mm. like your age won't mm. be affected so i think it's really important to, mm. to remember that as mm. well really yeah mm. yeah yeah okay do you want to add anything else <clears throat> i mean i i suppose you know if, if we think about, you know, your story and the kind of the presentation that you would get with, with uh, this kind of tumour. Mm. So on, on the, um, I think, it, is, it the can is it the bone tumour web website? Is, it is that the Bone Cancer Research yeah, UK? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so they talk about the common presentations of bone pain. Um, they also talk about these symptoms being uh, intermittent or constant, mm. which, again, I think is really important. Yeah. You know, um, I think so. The, some of the nice guidelines talks about it being a constant, persistent pain, but actually, we know that at, in mm. the early stages they often start as intermittent, so they come and mm. go, and, mm. and very mechanical. Mm. 
Um, they talk about the area may be tender to touch, which mm. in your case was, was very much the case, mm. wasn't it? Um, sometimes you can feel, feel a lump or a swelling. Do, mm. were, you, you, were you aware of that at all? No, I have to say, I mean, obviously I did examine myself at the beginning, um, but I think I had quite a lot of muscle bulk around there, mm. and actually it was a lytic um, right. yeah. tumour, so there wasn't at that point anything to, to, to fear, I have to mm. say. Um, but I, I guess towards the end, I mean, I'd kind of given that, I, I wasn't really examining it myself, no, sure I have to was, say. Yeah. So I did, um, so, um, yeah, who knows, but it was, yeah. Okay. And then, and then obviously they talk about problems with mobility, mm. like stiff and, and reduced movement. Mm. And again, did you feel any of that in the late stages? I think you were saying that it was, you know, we're having difficulty with limping for sure. Uh, yeah, so the, the limp was definitely apparent, um, yeah. uh, you know, driving in the car was very painful, sitting for long periods of time was painful, um, yeah, I mean towards the end I was actually getting night pain, but yeah. that was actually right at the very end, and that was very soon, sorry, yeah, I was diagnosed very soon after yeah. that, so, um, okay. yeah. Yeah, so we know about your, you know, your limp, that, that got progressively worse. And again, yeah. you know, that's you know, um, not something that we necessarily associate with patellofemoral pain. Yeah. You, you, might get, you might find it, you might mm. see it. Um, but for someone who's you know, so as active as you are, mm. that we, it's quite an unusual thing mm. to happen, really, I mm. think. Um, and then they talk about the less common symptoms of you know, tiredness, weight loss, mm. uh, muscle t- loss of muscle, muscle turnover, obviously, you know, fracture. It can be quite a, a yeah. risk. Um, yeah. But you were lucky not to fracture. I, believe. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously so grateful to the GP who picked it up because mm. um, I mean, the, the, the orthopedic sarcoma surgeon that I saw, you know, as soon as I saw him, he's like, right, you need to mobilise the leg, put you in a full leg cast, um, and he said, you know, if you'd have. Um, fractured that they would have had to do a, a full leg amputation yeah. so, so it really doesn't did. bear thinking about it but it didn't happen um yeah. but um i'm sure that you know if i i feel very lucky to have worked in a, a place where you know someone was able to make the right call but um i'm very sure that if i that hadn't have happened i would have eventually had a pathological fracture yeah, yeah. um okay yeah yeah so quite a, quite a difficult time for you yeah how, yeah. how, are you, how are you? How do you feel now about about that journey, and, and where are you, sort of in terms of, of recovery, and you know, uh, you're back at work. I'm back at work. Yeah, it's um, it's been obviously a very very difficult year, um, and I think uh, obviously as health professionals, we're used to dealing with uh, people with cancer, but actually until it, you go through it, you know, I, I didn't have. I, yeah, I thought I knew it, but actually I had no idea at yeah. all. And it was, um, uh, you know, really, really terrifying for the entire year. Um, and that uh, I remember, um, you know, I was a GP, you know, seeing patients. And a couple of weeks later, I was lying in an oncology ward in London. Um, and I remember um, uh, an art therapist coming up to me doing origami with me. <laughs> And I burst out crying, and I think she thought that meant I needed more art therapy. But actually, it was because I thought I can't believe it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm suddenly this this patient, yeah. and it was um yeah, and it's very difficult. Uh, you know, as a health professional, you know you're very hyper aware in that environment. So all the other conversations on the wards, you can 
yeah. they mean something and it yeah. was very anxiety provoking um so um and the chemotherapy regime they do tend to for bone tumors give very high doses of chemotherapy mm. so um you feel completely rotten for yeah. about nine months yeah i'm sure you do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, good to be out on the other side of it, really, isn't it? So yes, yeah. yeah, it's nice to be back. I had a, I mean, I finished the chemotherapy at the end of June, um, and I had a, a few months over the summer just to convalesce and get my mm. strength back, see a physiotherapist to yeah. uh, to get yeah. things uh, better again. And I went back to work, I think about a couple of weeks ago, actually, yeah. just in yeah. half days at the moment. Yeah. But it's nice to have that structure. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, if we if we if we should just try and sum this up, or try and think about those key messages mm. that that we can sort of give to to our listeners, basically, mm. is there anything that that is there anything one sort of key message you would like to kind of say? This is you know this has been really important. Yeah. You know, or something. Uh, there's a few things I'm thinking of. I mean, I think um, firstly that old kind of adage from physio or medical school always examine the joint above and below and all the what's in between and I have to say that didn't didn't happen always and that's something that I'm definitely now always going to be mindful of I think in terms of red flags and we were always told the classic red flags you know night pain weight loss systemic symptoms and obviously they are red flags um but as you said that generally late red flags and I was thinking more you know before this talk this morning about perhaps more subtle red flags and actually for any clinician physio GP orthopedic surgeon to actually um, kind of take a step back and just think does this fit together what's the patient's journey been before they've seen me you know we know with bone tumors that you know it's often a long protracted journey before it gets diagnosed Mm -hmm. um yeah um and i think also trusting your own instincts and um not it's easy i think and i'm guilty of this i'm sure as as well of looking at a consultant letter and accepting it as absolute truth Mm -hmm. and actually what i really appreciated about the gp who diagnosed me was that she actually looked at it and then she actually made a decision that actually she wasn't, she didn't think that was mm. a thorough assessment. And then she made a plan accordingly. Yeah. Um, so actually trusting your instincts and not 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 ex- necessarily accepting um, other people's um, opinion opinion as, as as gospel. And I, and I think that's a really really great observation. And we talk about this a lot actually. You know, some we often fall down the same potholes in, 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 in serious pathology in, in that we, we accept the opinion of maybe an oncologist mm. who we feel is, is you know, of a higher grade or, yeah. you know, or a young physiotherapist accepts the opinion of an advanced practitioner. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's, it's good to challenge each other. Yeah. And mainly because these things change over time. Yeah. And, you know, you might be seeing something very different when mm. when they were seen previously. So you're absolutely right. We should be absolutely re-evaluating and challenging mm. some of those opinions sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, yeah, and I suppose for me, I think some of the key messages is, you know, like we've said, is, you know, this is about increasing awareness. This is mm. trying to make sure people are aware that this is a possible diagnosis. Mm. You know, it's a differential diagnosis. Mm. And if things aren't going... It, you know, in the right direction that you would expect. You know, mm. so in, particularly in your case, you were getting progressively worse. There was mm. no question if you look at look back. 
Um, and actually, it's about que you know questioning that about why is this not, you know, uh, getting better in in a time frame that we would expect. You know, mm. we need to kind of look and think, you know, what else could be going on for you or for for that individual. Um, and you know, we've raised you know this issue around, um, you know. The, challenging some of the concerns that you might have you know mm. whether they're valid or not or whether it's because you might be highly anxious mm. you know, we still need to understand what what's going mm. on because you know as i said sometimes that's really really uh, you're valid in 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 the sense that you know something's not mm. quite right and it's exploring some of that with the, with the individual so yeah. you know remember i so those ideas concerns and yeah. expectations really yeah. nice way of, of of trying to yeah. pull that together yeah, yeah. I yeah. completely agree, yeah. Okay. So, thank you very much. Thank it's you, been yeah. a real pleasure to have yeah. to talk to you. Um, and, yeah. and I know that our listeners will absolutely gain something from, from this, this podcast. I hope so, and, yeah. you know, and we'll try and raise that awareness. Yeah. Just, um, you know, might, for listeners, it might be helpful just to uh, highlight the uh, research website. What's, yeah, so there's, uh, there's a couple of really good resources for clinicians. Um, there's um, Bone Cancer Research UK have got a very good website um, which um, goes over symptoms and uh, you know various other things that would be of interest. Um, I would also say that the Anthony Pilcher Bone Cancer Trust, which is a much smaller charity, um, they actually have a, a CPD module. Um, yeah. I think it's about an hour long for physios, GPs. You know, if some if you're interested in, in doing it. Yeah, that um, sounds. And also um, the London Sarcoma Network um, uh, at UCLH um, have got lots of resources um, uh, for clinicians um, yeah. uh, to look at in terms of diagnosis. Um, and also um, getting the patient seen by the right clinician once the diagnosis is there. So from what I've heard from, from them, there's often some um, you know, gap between the patient finding out they've got a bone tumour and actually getting to the right um, uh, clinician specialist to be able yeah. to deal with it. So that was something they highlighted. But the, the, the pathway is, um, is, on, um, is on their website. Perfect. That, yeah. yeah, that's really helpful. And actually, just um, I was just remembering something you said earlier uh, when we spoke earlier um, around, you know, that... The, the individual that actually goes to the GP a number of times, you know, mm. seeks health um, healthcare, mm. is often a, a bit of a red flag as well, isn't it? So, do you remember we talked about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you you wouldn't normally have sought help, um, you know, and actually what you what the individual does is they go to the GP over and over again. Yeah. And there's just that can be that can often be a bit of a warning sign that there's something going on. Yeah, I think for someone. Um, yeah, to obviously see their GP several times, that I think is a red flag. For them to see physio, you know, more than one physio, I think is a red flag. Mm. Um, and I guess it also depends on the population of patients. So I know you say in A&E, you know, they do all sorts of investigations, but I think that's because the population of patients have got more pathology. Mm. So I think yeah. if you're a clinician working in secondary care, I guess you have to be extra careful because that population of patients are more likely mm. to have... Um, a serious pathology yeah. um okay thank yeah. you so uh, and i would just like to the, the, um just highlight the article by Luce, uh, lucinda gosling and ali rushton alison rushton which is identification of adult knee primary bone tumor symptom presentation a qualitative study so that's in manual therapy um 
and uh, I'm, I'm sure we can put that onto the podcast at the end. Okay. Yeah. So, so thank you very much. It's, thank it's you. Been I really a real appreciate pleasure. you yeah, uh, inviting you. me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And thank thank you. you. Thank you. Before we end the podcast, I just want to um, summarise and some of the the key messages for me. Um, reflecting on Stephen's uh, story that he shared one is the value in discussing concerns Stephen opened the door in a joking way about his concerns that he may have an osteosarcoma and this although it was done in jest this was this was an invite to explore why he feels this way and his beliefs that are driving this feeling and I think for clinicians it exploring that and also uh, appropriately safety netting the patient so it might be a case that you're this is presenting like a um, run-of-the-mill patellofemoral pain syndrome and um, it's mechanical it's improving with uh, with treatment um, and making the patient aware that however if this doesn't go as expected for the rest of the course um, of your treatment then we're going to reevaluate it and be prepared to change tack and I think safety netting the patient and uh, exploring their concerns is is essential um, which which Stephen really highlights the other thing is that clinicians feeling comfortable with the uncertainty and, and being confident to discuss this with the patient as well as confidence to challenge their own hypothesis so as a patient's presentation changes having that dialogue with the patient and 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 saying to them that this change uh this occurring we're going to reassess and and actually i did believe it was a patellofemoral pain syndrome however you're not going the usual pattern and um and we're going on a different route uh the thing it highlights is is being aware of um false reassurance from symptoms improving because um, I think uh, we then, our uh, index of suspicion is dropped, but as both Stephen and Laura mentioned there, it's typical that it would wax and wane and being prepared for that. Um, one other thing I'd like to mention, and, and uh, Stephen uh, spoke about it there, is if you get a chance, visit uh, Anthony's uh, Pilcher's website. So it's Anthony Pilcher's Bone Cancer Trust. So the website is www www.apbct standing for Anthony Pilcher Bone Cancer Trust .uk well worth a visit so I'd like to finish up by thanking Laura Finucan and uh, Dr Stephen Roberts for their time on uh, this podcast thank you